Okay, it's a scene that you've all witnessed. If you've lived in London for any length of time, you will have seen this happening in London. I mean, protests. You'll have seen a crowd of people gathering to protest about something. And you see them on the tube on their way to the protests with their banners stuck under their arms. And then they get to the place where they're going, normally Parliament Square, and they whip out their banners and they hold them up and they make their protest. And they protest about all sorts of different things. And my guess is that some of us in this room will have joined those protests and we've been passionate about issues. Perhaps it's no more animal testing, no more nuclear weapons, no more tuition fees, no more whatever it is. And we get out our banners and we say, no more. Well, I want you to picture the scene that you turn up at a protest and you get out your banner and you hold it up and on your banner you have written, no more tears. That's your protest. And the people look around and look at you and they say, what are you doing? You say, this is my protest. I don't like all the crying in the world. I don't like all the sadness in the world. I want it to stop. I want a world where there are no more tears. And so that's my protest. That would be an ambitious protest, right? More ambitious than the man who stands outside the Houses of Parliament every day with his plastic saying, no more plastic. Good on him for caring. But more ambitious than no more plastic would be no more tears. A world where there is no more crying. Because tears are part of our existence. They're part of the very fabric of our world. Everybody hurts. Everybody cries. Sometimes. There's not a person in this room who has never cried. We enter the world with a cry. Now it is true to say that some of us cry more than others. Don't we? (laughs) Some of us are criers. Anything sets us off. You know, the, the latest Paddington Bear movie. And you're in floods of tears all over the place. Some of us are not criers. We're hard-hearted and we're cruel. <laughs> no. <laughs> we just don't, we, we don't work in quite that same way. But all of us cry. And I don't know what it is that makes you cry. I don't know when you last cried. But all of us cry. And we cry for all sorts of different reasons. And there are different sorts of tears. There are tears of joy and happiness. Sometimes we cry when we're happy, and that's a little bit odd, but we do. But the tears that I want to talk about today are tears that express a sense of loss. You see, often our tears come from a sense of having lost something. I don't know if I can make this go. Often when you see someone crying and you see big tears forming in their eyes and then rolling down their face, what they're expressing is, we have, I have lost something precious to me. That is why I'm crying. And that could be a loss of a relationship, 
a loss of someone that we loved who is no longer there. It could be a loss of security, that which we thought was ours and we thought was secure, we've now lost it and we cry because we are no longer secure. It could be a loss of health. As we're told that our bodies are not what we thought they were and we cry. It could be a loss of comfort. Or perhaps it could be a loss of those things that we hoped and dreamed for. We had a life that we imagined. We had a life that was perfect. We had a life that was set out. A life that we were looking forward to. A life that was everything we wanted. And something takes it away from us. And we cry. All of these things make us cry. And crying is a profound moment. That's wonder. It's interesting to think the question: Why? Why would we cry? What is going on when we cry? Well, I want to suggest. In fact, I'm going to argue that the Bible suggests that behind that loss that we feel is actually a bigger loss that our tears are pointing us to. You see, human humanity has lost something so beautifully precious and that loss that has happened to us is now echoed in a million other losses which all stem from the great loss that humanity has experienced we've lost something and this thing this great loss that we've experienced is a loss of a relationship with the God who made us We've lost him. He's magnificent and he's beautiful and he's glorious in every single way. And we were made for him, but rather than love him, we turned our backs on him and now we have lost him. The greatest loss that we've ever experienced is the loss of that which we were made for. And because we have lost him, because we have chosen to lose him, we now experience loss in all sorts of other ways. But all of these losses point us to the more profound loss that we're crying for. Why is our world full of these losses, loss of relationship and security and comfort and health and dreams and all that we hoped for and it We find ourselves crying because they're pointing us to the greater loss that we were made for. And so against the backdrop of all that we say this afternoon, I want us to understand that our tears should point us to a bigger problem with our world. That our tears should point us to a deeper issue, something that makes us say, why is the world like this? Because we've lost him. So our tears point us to loss. And the weird thing is that although tears are such a common human experience, they're so common, we experience them, we all know what it feels like. 
Despite that, we find it really hard to know how to react when someone is crying. It's really hard, isn't it? It's hard to know what to do or what to say. Here is someone who's crying in front of me and I I don't know what to do. We try different things and some of us will approach in different ways. Some of us just find it profoundly awkward. We don't know what to say. We, we try and say something, but it comes out wrong and we say something inappropriate. We get it wrong. Some of us find it very awkward. Some of us immediately switch into being very practical. Here's someone crying. And what we do is we say, oh, oh, let me make you a cup of, can I make you a cup of tea? Let's make a cup of tea. Now tell me what it is. Let's see if we can fix you. When the tears are streaming down your face, when you've lost something that you can't replace, Chris Martin says, let me fix you. That's the practical tears person. Tears. Stop them. Tea. And we want to practically fix it. Some of us, some people, let's not say some of us, because this is, the fixing one is nice. It's nice to want to fix, right? It's nice to want, I'm not being critical of this. I'm just saying how we react to tears. Some people react, though, with platitudes. You know, they say things that they think sound nice. They say things like, well, they've gone to a better place. Or it, it, it could be worse. Or let's take the lemons and make lemonade. I've never actually heard anyone say that. <laughs> but wow. <laughs> there are plenty more fish in the sea. You know, all the sort of stuff that people chuck out. and It's, it's well-meaning. I'm not being critical. It's just that we don't know what to do. What do I say? Oh, let's make lemonade. <laughs> Some people react with distraction. Oh, come on, let's go out. Let's go and get drunk. Let's just go and do something to take your mind off this, to help it pass. I guess some people perhaps even avoid. This is perhaps the hardest of all when you're crying and people just avoid you. They ignore you. Often that's because they just don't know what to do. all of this means that we as a culture have a fairly dysfunctional relationship when it comes to tears. Which is why many of us try and hide our tears. Because of those reactions, many of us will try and hide our tears. We've all done this, right? You've been crying and you're like, I'm not crying. Hello. Because you started drying them. I don't want anyone to know I've been crying. Because somehow we're embarrassed of our tears. We wipe it away and we put on our smile. Often we don't want people to see our tears because somehow we're supposed to be able to cope. We don't want to be seen as weak and emotional. You know, they're just a bit emotional. When you turn to the Bible, you find something really interesting. You find a book that talks a whole load about tears. And about sorrow. A book that's not ashamed of tears. A book that doesn't say, oh, come on, pull yourself together. 
A book that doesn't say, let's make lemonade. A book that doesn't trivialise or give platitudes. A book that faces up to the reality of tears with a brutal and beautiful honesty in which there is true hope. And the Bible word for how to approach tears is lament. The Bible teaches us how to lament. That is the right response to tears. Now, I've got to be honest with you, we had a bad experience with lamenting once. Um, one of our children was sent home some homework from school where they were asked to write a lament, a poem, but a sad poem. Now, this doesn't... I'm not, we don't often do this, I don't advocate this as parents, this is bad parenting, but it was a very stressful week and it was very hard. He hadn't done it, so... Linda very quickly wrote a poem <laughs> in order to get the thing done and have something to hand in so he didn't get a detention, all that sort of thing. Anyway, later that day in the afternoon, the teacher of said child phoned Linda and said, would you mind coming and seeing me after school today? There's something I'd like to talk to you about. <laughs> to which Linda said, yeah, Okay. She went to see the teacher, and the teacher looked fairly serious and said, I'm just a little bit concerned about some of the emotions that were expressed in said child's poem. They were really fairly dark. He talked about how his brothers are loved more than him and how he's rejected and left on his own. And Linda, Linda had to say, I'm really sorry, I, I wrote that. <laughs> So, lamenting, we're, we, we, we're not great at that, uh, but in the Bible, lamenting is the appropriate response to tears. And so we're going to read a lament together, I'm going to show you how it works. And as we read this lament, I hope that it will teach us how to lament in the face of tears so that we know how to respond, and so that we can help others to respond. This is not a process to go through and tick off, oh, we've sorted it. This is a place to find yourself and words to help you when you're there. Some of you will be there right now. So we're going to read Psalm 13. And we're going to read it in um, three bits. And at each one, I'm going to show you how it works. So Psalm 13, let's have just verses 1 and 2 um, up on the screen. Here's Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2. You'll see, it's, we're told it's for the director of music. It's a psalm of David. That means this is a psalm that was designed to be sung. This is a, something that God's people were supposed to sing together. Look at what David says. How long, Lord... Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That's the opening of his lament. If you don't know much about the Bible, I wonder if it surprises you that words like that are in the Bible. 
Words that just feel so raw, so, so full of angst and pain. I mean, you can hear it, can't you? David is the great king of God's people, the one who killed Goliath, the one who's supposed to be the one who knows God. But look where he is now. And when we learn to lament, the first thing that we have to understand is that we must learn to express the pain honestly and truthfully. That's what David does. He expresses this pain so clearly. He speaks about it truthfully. You see, the danger is that we go silent. The danger is that we shut our mouths. The danger is that when we're in pain, we don't say anything. The danger is we keep it all in, and yet here is permission, an invitation from God to say, take your pain and bring it to me. Let's look at this closely. David expresses his pain in three ways. He talks about an upward pain, an inward pain, and an outward pain. So he talks firstly about his relationship with God, the greatest loss. That's what we talked about earlier. To lose God is the worst thing. And so David says, here is my experience of pain. You've forgotten me. Will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? David's experience in this moment is that he is abandoned and isolated and cut off from God. And he expresses it in strong language. He says, God, you have forgotten me and you have hidden your face. It is something that God has done. That's what he's saying. I wonder whether we would ever talk like that to God. Do you imagine that as David prayed this, he didn't have tears streaming down his face? Where are you? Where have you gone? We need to learn to express our pain, our disappointment with God. We need to learn to express our frustration and our sorrow and how it actually feels. Where are you? Now, we need to be very careful. There is a fine line that doesn't spill over into pointing the finger at God and making accusations that he's... We'll see this in a second. At this point, David is speaking from a place of faith. He's saying, where are you? Let's learn to speak honestly and to express the pain. So he talks about his upward relationship, but then in verse 2 he talks about his inward. He talks about the sorrow that he feels within him. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? He says, within me, in my inner being, my thoughts, my anxious thoughts, I'm scared, I'm afraid, I don't know what to do. I feel sorrow. I feel torn apart inside. We need to express the pain of how we feel inside. A lament starts from this place of honesty that says, this is how it is. This is how I'm feeling. 
hard to be honest about ourselves. And often in culture, we're told just to kind of distract yourself and have a happy time and find something fun to do. And the Bible says, no, don't do that. The Bible says, embrace how you feel. Be honest about how you feel. If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling anxious, be honest about that. Express that pain. And then he talks outwardly about his sorrow outwardly. How long will my enemy triumph over me? His sorrow about the circumstances that he's in. We don't know exactly when this is, but it's very likely that the enemy he's talking about is his son. His son who rebelled against him. And so David says, I find myself in this place where you've forgotten me, where inwardly I'm completely all over the place, and where outwardly my circumstances are horrendous. Express that pain. But I want you to notice something, how he expresses it. He introduces every single complaint with the two words, how long? How long? And that language of how long is critical for us to understand a lament. You know when you're in a car journey and you're driving and someone's in the back and they say to you, are we there yet? And it's so frustrating because you think, no, we're clearly not there because I'm still driving. I mean, if, if, I, if we were there, I would have stopped. You'll know when we're there because I'll stop the car and say, we're here. This cry of how long is saying this, the cry of how long is saying, are we there yet? There is a there. I know that there's a there. But we're not there. We're here. I don't like here. Here is the place where I feel like you've abandoned me. I'm screwed up inside and there's a mess all around me. I don't want to be here. Here is the place of tears. I want to be there. Are we there yet? That's what David's crying out. How long? That's where lament starts. But it doesn't stay there, and it's very important that it doesn't stay there. Because if you get stuck simply in expressing the pain, what happens is you go round and round in circles, and you never find a way out. What happens is you go round and round in circles, and you lose sight of the light, which is why verses 3 and 4 are really important. This is what comes next. Look what David does next. Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. As you express the pain, you then cry for light. One translation of this says, light up my eyes. Oh Lord, light up my eyes. I love that. In this pit of darkness where I feel so, so pain, much pain, and I'm tears flooding down my face, we turn and we say, God, give me light. Please let me see something of your light. You see, this God who we have lost, this God who we've turned away from, is still the God who loves you. He's still the God who's full of light. And he's still the God in whom there is light, even for your darkness. 
And so David cries for light. You see how urgent he is? Lord, give me light or I die. If you don't give me light, I'm not going to make it. This is what a lament looks like. You express your pain, but as you express your pain, you cry for light. And then the third step. Verse 5 starts with a very important word. Starts with the word but. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Do you think that was easy for David to say? It's tempting, isn't it, to go, oh man, you see, this is what always happens in the Bible. Sad, 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 but look, it's okay. Do you, do you think the tears stopped at the start of verse 5? Or do you think the tears are still pouring down his face as he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. That is a choice to trust God. That is a defiant, tear-filled choice. A choice to trust what he cannot see. The unfailing love of God is hidden from him. And so he says, I'm going to choose to trust that unfailing love. I'm going to choose to rejoice in the God who I know saves. I'm going to choose to sing because he has been good to me. It doesn't feel like that. But David makes this choice to trust. And that is the journey of a lament. That is why a lament will take you on a journey rather than leaving you in one place. It will take you on a journey from expressing the pain, crying out for light, choosing to trust. And that is not a journey that you do once and go, good, well, that's done. That is a journey that you have to do every day, every hour, every minute when you're in the middle of the darkness. You lament. And we may say, well, how do we know? How could we ever choose to trust in someone that we cannot see? Well, we choose to trust because God's unfailing love has been shown. He has made it known to us. God's unfailing love means that he has made unbreakable promises. Promises that through his son Jesus, he will, he will forgive your sin and he will bring you through and he will keep hold of you and he will love you and he will embrace you and he will not reject you. He has made unbreakable promises that there's a coming a day when he will make all things new and in that day there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain and he will wipe every tear from your eyes. He is not ashamed of your tears. He's not embarrassed by your tears but your tears will not remain. He will wipe them away. 
And when Jesus died on that cross, when Jesus was crushed, when Jesus took on himself what we deserve, he showed us what God means when he says, I love you. That's what God means. He means he loves you. And it means he loves you even when you can't see him. And our job in this world of tears is to learn to lament, to learn to cry, how long, Lord? How long must I be in this place of pain? And to help each other, actually, that we would lament together, that when we're talking to someone, we're faced with someone who is crying that rather than try and fix it or heal it or do something, that we would lament together and say, how long, Lord? There's a beautiful song um, that we, a Stuart Towner, a guy called Stuart Townend wrote it years ago. And it's a song that's a lament and we don't, we hardly ever sing it. But the chorus says, how long? And the last verse says, and I love this. This is, this is how it goes. But I know a day is coming when the deaf will hear his voice and the blind will see their saviour and the lame will leap for joy. When the widow finds a husband who will never leave her side and the orphan finds a father who will never be, leave his side. I know a day is coming. How long, Lord? How long until your glory breaks the skies? How long? How long must we live in this world of pain? How long must we cry? How long must our tears continue to roll down our face? How long? How long must it feel like you're far from us? How long must we suffer? How long, Lord? Please give us light. And let us choose to trust you. Let me say, if you're here this afternoon and you are in the midst of that sort of pain, oh, please let it be this afternoon that you, would, you know that God cares about your tears. He sees them. He cares. Cry to him. And if you're here and you don't yet know this God, you don't know about Jesus, you don't know this stuff, I'm so glad you're here. I want you to understand that in this world of tears, these losses that we feel point us to this greater loss and it is in finding this relationship with God that we begin to make sense of these losses. Not that this becomes easy, but that we begin to understand and look forward to a day when it will all be over. We're going to pray together. And we're going to pray that God would help us in the middle of our tears to learn to lament. That is, you express the pain, you cry for light, and you choose to trust. I get that that's hard for us. But that is what God invites us to do this afternoon. So I'm going to bow our, let's bow our heads, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to sing a couple of songs. And let's take this time to lament, to respond to God. Let's bow our heads and let's pray.
Father, thank you so much that there is a day coming when all the tears of this world will be finished. When you will make all things new. When that great relationship between you and humanity is restored so that all the other things are put right. Father, how long? How long until you come? How long until that day is here? How long? Lord, we pray that in the midst of this world of tears that we would learn to lament and choose to trust you every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.